Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. You know, the Invest Talk commitment here is all about making you a better investor give you some common sense guidance. You know, we all become, we all can learn, we all can be better. So that's what our job is. My job is, Justin's job is to make you a better investor. So whether you are new to Invest Talk or a longtime listener, you've come to the right place if you want to learn. I encourage your finance and investment questions. I encourage it. I would love to have you call and ask any financial question you want. 888-99-CHART is the number. You do know that the market, the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, the famous FANG stocks this year, everybody was so high on all year long and they were driving the market because they're, mar- they're so big, They were they, if they were up, the market was up. Well, they've lost a lot of their luster. They're, most of them, if not all of them, are, are in bear market territory, meaning they've fallen 20% or more from their highs. And that's been very painful for those people who are who've been who are in those stocks and overloaded in them. And that's always a danger when you're overloaded in growth stocks that have had a long run. The run will end. Just no one knows when. And it's ended. It apparently it's ended. Now, did you see this? The price of gasoline has gone down 42 days. 42 days in a row. And at the pump in Missouri, which is not where I am, gas is just a little bit over $2 a gallon. Hawaii and California, California is where I am, are far more expensive. Matter of fact, the wisdom of California here raised the gasoline tax, I don't know, 13, 14 cents a gallon just uh, this year. Thank you very much, California. They just blow the money. They say, oh, it's for the roads. I've heard that over the years, over and over and over. How they? This is for the roads. Do you realize the gasoline tax from the very beginning was supposed to be for roads? What are you doing with that money? See, it all goes into a general fund, and we never see it again. And it doesn't. They don't fix the roads. Now, I will say this. California roads are in pretty good shape. I will say that. But Taxes. We all have to pay them. We saw a headline this morning that caught my attention. A $9 trillion corporate debt bomb is bubbling in the U.S. economy. How bad is that? $9 trillion. How bad is it? Where is it bubbling? It certainly can't be good. So I'm going to go over that story and look at it a little closer in a few minutes. Before I get into that, let's go ahead and make time for a question. Our anytime listener line is 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Matt from Boston. I was just wondering what your opinion was on business development corporations, BDCs. Uh, I have a number of them and had them for a few years now. They generate good income, but they've been down 
a decent amount over the past year. Uh, should I hold or sell them? Uh, my time frame is about another two years before looking to buy a house. Thanks. Bye. You know, business development companies or corporations they, that put out money for new businesses to grow or or blend money or buy equity interests in companies to get them off the ground or help them grow. Those do very, very well coming out of recession and in the beginning of a strong economy and even in the middle of the economy. At the end of a long economic run up, they start to falter. And that's, I think, what you're seeing. We've had a very long economic growth period. So business development companies are going to start weakening. And one of the reasons they do that is because in an economic recovery and the longer it gets, the Federal Reserve normally raises rates and the business development companies borrow money a lot to lend money out and it costs more to them. So it's, they're just late and late in the cycle, they start to not work as well. That means you have to avoid them, but you don't, you certainly don't want to have a lot of them. You do not want to have a lot of them. So here are the bullet points to take away about that $9 trillion. Nine trillion dollars. We found the story on CNBC and the story is kind of complex. So it's not a simple, okay, here's nine trillion dollars debt and uh, this is the problem. It's not that simple. Um, it's a, We're talking about corporate debt, the load of corporate debt. And that has escalated over the recent years. And it, most of that is because of really cheap money. So the, the Federal Reserve has distorted the economic economic picture by having money so cheap for so long and not just the Federal Reserve, it's all over the world by the way. And what happens is, it's cheap money. Cheap money, people borrow cheap money. So companies in the aggregate are carrying about $9 trillion in debt. And this is a threat. It is a threat as interest rates continue to rise. Especially if our economy starts to weaken because this debt, especially if it's junk, Junk debt in a recession is the worst debt to have because there's a lot of defaults on junk. Junk meaning weak companies that have too much debt. So that's a problem. Most Wall Street experts think the issue is contained for the time being, 12 months, 18 months out. Okay, of course, who knows for sure. A principal worry is uh, about companies that are, as I said, that have junk rating on their debt, companies that are not strong, that can't afford the debt when bad times hit. They don't have they don't have the wherewithal. I mean, Apple borrowed billions of dollars, but they had billions of dollars in cash too. And it was for specific reasons. They didn't want to bring the money back from overseas to pay the high taxes. That kind of thing is not the problem. It's not what this is we're talking about here. We're talking about weak companies borrowing money that they might have trouble paying back, especially in an economy that is not as strong as it is today. Now, that's why the economists are pointing out 12, 18 months, because that's when they see the next recession coming. See how that works? So, now, essentially, two things, the, the situation can go two ways, really. A good news case where companies can manage their debt as the economy stabilizes and interest rates stay in check. And the other case where the economy decelerates, rates keep heading up because the Fed's raising rates and or 
or the public gets afraid of debt and they raise the rates themselves and that that can't be paid because of that. I mean, there's all kinds of, there's, it's not simple. It's not just that simple. Okay, so how bad is it really? Well, how bad is this threat? Well, from a higher level, say 30,000 feet, most U.S. corporations look to be pretty good shape. The companies are very, very healthy. Any fixed income strategy, and you know, a, 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 if you have a fixed fixed income strategy going, you know, it's a you're gonna have, you're gonna be fine as long as you stay away from some of the junk out there. Just stay away from it. And of course, we're gonna keep an eye on the story, and we'll let you know. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for making this program a part of your, your routine. Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. Hopefully, that's the case. Over the holiday, whenever you have investment questions, I encourage you to listen to our archive podcast and I invite you to explore investtalk.com. There's a lot of information that will be posted and waiting for you there. But now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART is our number. to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888-99 chart, 888-99 CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. Today's the main talking point, the Treasury's Office of Financial Research claims that interest rate uncertainty and rising costs are driving market risks higher. So we're going to take a look at that a little bit closer today. Also, I want to talk about the uh, S&P 500 tries to stage a modest rebound from the worst start of Thanksgiving week in 45 years. Wow. That's a long time. Usually Thanksgiving week is positive. And I want to talk about Facebook. They did a survey of employees about the employees' optimism, as an article on MarketWatch. And it's surprisingly, it was kind of shocked me that it was that gloomy. So I want, want to talk about that. And gloomy forecast slash, slash tech valuations in Silicon Valley chokes on smoke. Now, you'll notice that the, the articles are starting to, that I'm reading and looking at are, are starting to look more and more negative. More and more negative. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if it's, just because the market's going down or there's actually weakness in the economy because looking at economic numbers are not that bad. So it's kind of interesting. We're going to talk about these things. Also, I am going to get to the ways you can mess up your 401k that I've been promising to get from last fr- Friday to Tuesday. I've been trying to get to that because I think it's a story we, we need to talk about. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888-992-4278. Okay, let's go to Mike in San Jose. How you doing, Mike? Steve, I have a question about bonds. I have an Oppenheimer International A-Share Bond Fund, and I put my dividends back in each month. Am I paying that 4.75% each time I put my dividend back in. Yes, you are. Most of them is the way that happens is yes, you are. Are you buying it direct from Iperheimer or are you going through a broker? When I set it up, it was through a broker. Check it, but generally speaking, the answer would be yes. 
he gets a fee every time you buy it. The only reason why I know that is I have a brother-in-law. It wasn't through Oppenheimer's, through somebody else, but a big firm like that. Mm-hmm. And he did the same thing. He was reinvesting the dividends. You know, it was a very small hit every time he reinvested those dividends. But I said, they should get rid of that completely. And all it took for him was a phone call. A phone call to who? To Oppenheimer, through the brokerage firm. And then the brokerage firm does what? Waves his fee on the dividend reinvestments. Remember, it's not a lot of money to him. He's not going to make you mad just because, you know, it's just an automatic thing. I will check. Yeah, so you got to check that out. I mean, that's something you don't want to just let it go. Another question about bonds? Sure. I get really confused about bonds and okay. how the NAV versus the yield. It's confusing to a lot of people. Try to remember when you're buying a bond fund as opposed to buying a bond directly operates a little bit differently. If you bought a bond directly, you could just hold on to that bond, let it mature, and you get your money back plus the interest. But during the time that you're waiting for it to mature, that bond can go up and down in value, right? Yes. Bonds go up in value generally when interest rates go down. Now, why is that so? Okay, real simple. If you bought a 10-year bond today paying 5%, tomorrow, if the interest rates go down to 4%, I'm, of course, obviously exaggerating. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, the interest rates for that same bond is now 4%. Isn't your bond worth more at 5% than what you paid for it just the day before? Because now the new ones are 4%. So your bond's paying a whole 1% higher. So the value of your bond actually went up because now bonds are paying less yield. So it's an inverse relationship. When interest rates go down, bond values go up. So in a mutual fund, you first want to know what kind of bonds do they invest in. Do you happen to know, Mike? Uh, Yes, I have a Morningstar software, so I have all 150 bonds that are in it. Are they junk bonds? Are they government bonds? All uh, U.S. Treasury note, Japan government, Ireland, Republic, Belgium, okay. on and on. International. So they're going everywhere in the world. Yes. Then it makes your job a little harder <laughs> because you have to know what the interest rates are going on in all those different countries. <laughs> Mike, generally speaking, if the interest rate's going down, okay. your bond value goes up. Okay. If interest rates are going up in general, your NAV, net asset value, will go down. Question. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Thank you. Good night. This is InvestTalk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I invite you to check out our new online training experience. We call it InvestTalk Academy. Justin did the class today, and I will be doing it next week. And Justin and I do switch off every other week. InvestTalk Academy, it's a learning tool, a classroom for serious investors, for people who really want to learn how to do it. And you can learn more about it at InvestTalkAcademy.com. InvestTalkAcademy.com. And now I'm ready to take your calls, 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. Today's main talking point, the Treasury's Office of Financial Research Research claims that interest rate uncertainty and rising costs are driving market risk higher. So what does that mean? Okay, so it's nothing more than what we've been talking about on the air. Of course, interest rates going up is going to drive market risk higher because it drives economic risks higher to me i mean I, I, the 
they can't figure this out by just by looking at what the Fed's doing. <laughs> I just it just it just surprises me. That's all that they think. Oh, high right, interest rates driving the market was higher. Well, of course, every time interest rates rise, if the Federal Reserve raises it rates in history, in history, the market doesn't like it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, anyway, anyways, the 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 question is how high, really. Where are we in that scale? And this is the difficult part. How high is high? Well, they think it's a medium risk. And I would really love to know what their definition of medium risk is. We don't know. They don't offer it. But that's what they're saying. And I'm not sure if this does anybody any good. Why do we even have, you know, that's their job. Treasury's Office of Financial Research. If this is their job and this is what they conclude from their job, we're paying people way too much money. We don't need that many people working for the government. No wonder our taxes are so high. You come up with this, well, gee, uh, what's causing the problem? We'll higher interest rates. Oh, so now the risks are higher? Yes. Let's write a big report about that. Okay. <laughs> it just frustrates me. And let's go to Mark in San Bernardino. Hi, Mark. What are the pros and cons of investing in ETFs versus an index mutual fund? For instance, the spiders versus your typical S&P 500 mutual fund. In an index fund, remember, you're paying a manager to sit on buying the stocks in an index, S&P 500 or the Dow or the NASDAQ, whatever it is. In a mutual fund, you're paying a manager to sit on those. Your fee is usually much higher than the ETF, like the spiders, the SPY is the S&P 500, the QQQ, there's NASDAQ 100, and the diamonds, DIA, is the Dow Jones 30. The cost is much less, and you can buy and sell them during the day, just like a stock. Whereas a mutual fund, you only get the price at the end of the day. My personal opinion is if you're going to buy index funds, you should probably just go ahead and buy the spiders or the diamonds or the Qs. If you're going to buy an index fund, why not? Appreciate the call. That's right, thank you. Very good call, Mark. Thanks. Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk. Let's go talk to Steve in Newport Beach. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, very good. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, I have a question. I've been doing some married put positions recently and have very good success with them. But now the market's kind of changing, and I'm wondering how, what your take is on buying stock and also buying a put for protection in case it unwinds unexpectedly. I, I like the options game. I, I do. I like uh, you know selling puts, buying puts, depending on what stock you're talking about, whether you want to own it or you want to get rid of it. And it is very good. They call that insurance in my my business. And I see nothing wrong with that, Steve. I think it's a technique a lot of people use, uh, use successfully. And for everybody else out there, this means if you sell, you know, if you do put options, they could put the stock to you. In other words, let's say you wanted to buy Apple, but you wanted to buy it when it reaches a closer to the 200-day moving average. Well, you can buy an option that will put that stock to you at that price or below. Actually, at that price, but they might get it below. And you can get a premium for it at the same time. So Yeah, you'd, you'd be selling a put to accomplish that. Yeah. 
So mm -hmm. someone would put the stock to you if it falls to that price. If it doesn't fall to that price, you get to keep the premium. Yeah, it might be a dollar a share, I don't know, two dollars a share, depending on how far out. There's a lot of issues. I don't really want to get into that, Steve, because, you know, not too many people know how to do this. But uh, as far as a, a, an investment strategy, I think it's very good. We do that in a small part of our portfolios, selling puts and the stocks we want to own. Because you get a Yeah, I'm, I'm not selling puts, I'm buying puts. I uh -huh. own the stock and I also buy a put. Okay, so if you get to put it to somebody and protect your downside risk. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't mind if it doesn't go down there because you get to hold, hold on to your stock and it didn't fall. So it's okay with you. Yeah, it's if I buy the protection a little bit higher than what I'm what is trading at, then I can hold it through a downturn without having to puke it up at the that's absolute right. bottom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> Steve, I, I really, I think cover. that's a good, good, uh, a good way to do it. A good uh, okay. technique. So, yeah, keep it. Long as you know how to do it, it's not really for everybody because the issue of how much premium you're getting and how long, you, how long is it out there before it expires. Oh, yeah. And, and so there, it gets complex to, a lot of people have trouble keeping an eye on that stuff and learning and understanding what's going on. For anybody who wants to do it that's familiar and comfortable with it, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. Bye. And quickly, here's an investment return. Rate of return. Here's an investment term. Now, rate of return is a gain of loss on investment over a specific time period. Rate of return. Extremely important when you're dealing with any kind of investments, whether it's bonds, stocks, I don't care. It doesn't matter. What's your real estate? What's your rate of return? How much money are you making over a period of time? So if you want to see the full definition, go to investopedia.com. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want, without worry. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. KPP Financial. Okay. Learn more anytime at kppfinancial.com. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99CHART is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888 992 4278. Marty, Tracy, how you doing? Yeah, my question is on stocks that have like a 12 month cycle. 
if you were to buy those, like when, like say, at the low end, and some at the high end, do you have to keep them for at least a year in order to pay less capital gains tax? Or yes, the rule is, Marty, that uh, within 12 months, if you buy and sell a stock within 12 months, you have to pay. If you have a gain, you pay the tax rate of your ordinary income tax rate. If you hold it for 12 months or longer, then it reverts to 15 percent, and you never have to pay more than 15 percent. So if you're coming up close to 12 months on something, you know, you kind of like, you got to wait. Should I sell it? Maybe I should hold on to it for another few days or a few weeks, you know. Exactly, because I've been looking at a lot of stocks that do that, and I'm just curious if I should try to get into them. I'm waiting for them to be at their lows. Be wise to wait to buy them at good buy point. You know, the overall rule, Marty, is always buy the stock at a good buy point. You know, and yeah. taxes will take care of themselves. You don't worry about that until you get close to the 12 month. Then you start thinking about it. Okay, Marty, appreciate the call. Let's go to Paul in Berkeley. How you doing, Paul? Great, great. How you doing, Steve? Good. Thanks for calling. Hey, my question is, um, I have a 401k through my employer. I have an IRA, uh, which I opened myself. Now, I'm projecting at some point this year that between those two, the dollar amount will um, equal the minimum amount that I can come in and start working with you. Okay. Is it possible to take, you know, take the 401k and take the IRA? And Are you self-employed, Paul? No. Okay, so you work for an employer who provides a 401k. Correct. That 401k, you cannot have a person like me or a company like me manage it for you individually because you have to keep it where you are, you're stuck with their choices, and you can't yeah. move it out of there. I'm not saying that. I'm kind of saying when the dollar amount reaches the level I need, can it be rolled over somehow? Uh, not if you're no. still working for them. The answer is no. Not if you're still huh. working. Once you stop working for them, you go work for somebody else. Then you can roll it over to an IRA. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. you're stuck. And, you know, and I, I really disagree with this. I think they should allow you to roll a 401k over into an IRA anytime you want to. Personally, yeah. that's, well, that's what I think they should. But that's not the law. Yes. Paul, sorry I couldn't help you, but give me a call if you want to talk about more details about that. I'll be happy to explain all that stuff. Thanks very much. Steve. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time every weekday, Monday through Friday. And it's also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week via archive podcast at investtalk.com. So be sure to subscribe, if you would, to the Invest Talk podcast. You can do it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then take a second to rate us. We would really like that, like for you to rate and review us, if you would. And now the lines are open. We are taking your financial investing questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018. And now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 
Let's go to Brent in San Diego. How are you doing, Brent? Hey, just fine. Thanks for calling. You know, I had a question on the PEG ratio, the PEG, Price of Earnings to Growth Ratio. Yes, sir. What's it for? How do you use it? And what's a good one? What's a bad one? Very good question. We use GEP, but somebody used, many people use PEG. Same thing, but just the inverse, okay? GPE is Growth to the Price Earnings Ratio. PEG, PEG, is the PE ratio divided by the growth. So it's the exact okay. same thing, but the inverse. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We like to use GPE. The good number, you asked me what a good number is? Two on a GPE. On the PEG, it would be 0.5. And that would be two times the growth rate of the PE ratio. The PE ratio is 10. You want a stock to be growing at 20%. The PE ratio is 30. You want a stock that's growing 30%. What does it do? A company cannot have a PE unless it has E, earnings. So if you have a PEG, that means you are buying a company that at least has earnings. Now, it's a question of how fast it's growing those earnings. The better the PEG ratio, the lower the number on the PEG, P-E-G, 0 0.5, 0 0.4, 0 0.3, 0 0.2, the better it is. That means a higher growth it is to the PE ratio. Now, the GPE, which is the same thing but the opposite, you want a two, two and a half, three, three and a half, up, 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 the higher the number, the better on the GPE. So it ensures growth, Brent, ensures growth and earnings and the stock you're buying. That's what it does. So they're very, very important. Jason in Chula Vista. How are you doing, Jason? Good, good. If I were going to use a trailing stop, mm -hmm. uh, or do you even recommend that at all? How would I, I, I use it? Jason, I don't really care what kind of stop you use. You can have a trailing stop. You can have a certain price that you change every day because the, um, the stock is moving up and you want to tighten up stops because of what's happening. Jason, all I ask is for people to have some kind of system that they're using, and if it works, keep it. If it's not working and you're getting in and out, in and out of stocks too fast, then that means your system needs to be tweaked. Okay. But there's nothing wrong with trailing stops. A trailing stop is when, let's say the stock is moving up and it has been moving up for months here or weeks. You keep moving your stop up as the stock price goes up. That means if it's 8% off its high, you get out. That's what I'm looking at. Rather than going in and adjusting just a regular stop periodically, I'm looking at just putting a 5 or an 8% or 10% trailing stock. That makes sense, Jason. Well, the time you'll take a look at it and say, uh, what percent should I put on this stock is you got to look at the volatility of that individual stock. For instance, some stocks go up three to five percent a day and down the same amount. Well, an eight percent trailing stop might be too tight. Maybe a 10 percent would be better or, you know, a 12 percent. But if a stock only goes up very small and down very small and it's on an upward path, then you could tighten up the stop. Make it a 5% stop. Okay. Look at the individual volatility. Just having across the board doesn't necessarily always work. That answers my question. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Let's go to Mike in Escondido. How you doing, Mike? Hi, good, Steve. How are you? My question is dollar cost averaging. And um, you know, do you have a general rule of thumb of, of which particular... I mean, I, I have a basic understanding of it. Okay. Want me to explain how it works? Yeah. This is, <laughs> the, this is the concept. It's, it's, it's not a hard concept. 
But it's very difficult to do when the market is crashing. It's okay. just very difficult to do because that means you keep buying and you keep losing money. But you're supposed to keep buying. You're supposed to do it in good times and bad times. Okay. What it is is putting the same exact amount of money, not number of shares, but the same exact amount of money to work on a very consistent basis, like once every two weeks, once every month, whatever system you decide to set up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just keep buying. The, and the concept behind, the idea behind the concept is, in the market's crashing and going down, you're buying more and more shares as the market goes down, and you're driving your average cost down as the market's going down. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, you want it to keep going down for long periods of time, but then the last few years before you retire, you want to shoot up. <laughs> now, that's, that's not always in an ideal world. Yeah. But uh, that's the concept. And when the market starts rallying, what happens is you participate in the rally by continued dollar cost average. You know, because it, the market's going up and you're still buying as it goes up. So you're making more and more money with the old stuff you bought months ago. What it's trying to do is get away from timing the market, Mike, because it's almost impossible to know where the bottom is or where the top is. It's more difficult to do it with individual stocks, Mike. It's much easier to do it with a mutual fund or an index fund or indexing because individual stocks, it could go down and up regardless of what direction the market's going. Yeah, okay. So that's just harder to do. And in actuality, if you had a lot of courage... When the market's going down, you keep putting more money and more money and more money. You increase the amount of dollar cost average. When the market's going up, you decrease it. Okay. Dollar cost averaging is over months and years putting the same amount of money in the same position, usually not an individual stock, but a mutual fund or an index. And in the end, you, you know, your, your hope is that it goes, it goes up and just keeps going up and keeps going up. That's right. And, and there's, dips, there's dips along the way, but you yep. just... Because the stock market has historically gone up. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it, it always has so far. But these last since 2000 to today, it hasn't. Very good. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Mike. Bye-bye. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I had Thank a question you. about um, the topic of tax loss selling. With so many stocks yes. being uh, lower this year as the year went through went by. I'm wondering if there's a, the market's going to be sort of under pressure where there's a lot of people who want to sell their stock before the end of December to um, to get the to reduce their harvest of tax losses. Yes, exactly, and, and and so it really won't pick up until after the new year because of this. Yeah, you're you're going to have people. Um, you know, they have long-term capital gains or short-term capital gains offset that with tax loss selling. That could be part of what we're seeing happening now, Gene, is people are looking toward the end of the year and saying, you know, maybe I should harvest some tax losses to apply to the gains that I could take if I wanted to. You know, in other words, they can get out of some long-term stocks that have great, great uh, returns or rebalance their portfolio. I wouldn't say the what's happening is being caused by that, but I could see that as a pile-on kind of effort, tax law selling. Right. But right. You, usually, you usually get that more in the beginning of December. And you know the rule, Gene, you can you have to be out to get the tax law loss. You have to stay out of the stock for 31 days. You can get back in, but you got to stay rule. out 30 days. Yeah. So you, got, yeah. you can't just get out 
Some people think they can sell it, take the loss, and buy it back tomorrow. No, you can't do oh, that. Oh, no. Got to wait 30 days. And, yeah. and also, at the, beginning of the new, at the beginning of the new year, there will be new uh, money from retirement accounts that will be automatic deposits will start going in again for people who have maxed out their retirement for 401k contributions for the, for this year. So that's that will right. automatically, automatically More, probably go into yeah. the market. So that's also good news. Yes. But it will only start after the beginning of the year. Yeah, it usually, yeah, it usually happens at the beginning of the year. You get the pension plans are funded. A lot, a lot of things happen uh, yeah. starting at the beginning of the year. So that's part of the, you know, the year end and beginning of the year rally theory is that what causes it, you know, helps cause it anyways, or, uh, you know, funding different retirement packages. So I, I, right now there's not enough worry and we've only had about a 10, 11% correction. It's just scary. That's all. Thanks for the call, yeah. Gene. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, I want to get to this. All the ways you can mess up your 401k because it ties into uh, Gene and, you know, people starting to fund it at the beginning of the year. Not using it is one of the ways you mess it up. Not saving in the 401k. People, there's tons of people have available but don't take advantage of it. And then if they do take advantage, another problem, a mistake, is not investing in the market. Yeah, it's scary. Matter of fact, when you're most scared, that's when you should be invested in the market. That's the best time. And another problem, people don't use their 401k. You can get free money. Many employers match a certain amount of the 401k. If your employer matches anything, why would you not take that free money for retirement? Why, why would you not do that? Makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're saying, well, I need all my money because, you know, I, I got bills. I got to pay. Well, pay. I don't care how much money you make. You should be able to save some of it. If you can't, if you're not, you're spending too much money. It's that simple. Do something different. And, of course, there's, you know, those who can't do something different. I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about the majority of people listening to the show. All you people listening to the show can do something different. You can't save money for retirement. Another mistake that's difficult for you to avoid is paying high fees because if you're in a 401k and that's all they have is high fee mutual funds, you don't get a choice. You have to pay the high fees. And do not try to time the market. Get out, get in, get out. This doesn't work. Just dollar cost average in, in a 401k, every pay period, just keep buying and keep buying and keep buying. And you you know what? If you've got a number of years to go, you want the market to go down. So you can buy these mutual funds at lower costs, just like buying the stocks inside the mutual funds at lower costs. Why would you not? Rather buy them at a low cost than a high cost. And don't forget, one thing I see a lot of this, and I want to make sure people don't forget, if you have old 401ks, a few thousand here, 10,000 over there, don't let them sit there. You need to address them. Address the issue, move them and combine them with your current 401k, roll them into an IRA, do something. Don't let them sit there orphaned and no one paying attention to them. And that happens a lot. I'm not saying you have to, you know, buy and sell, buy and sell on them. I'm saying don't forget about them. And best way not to forget about them is roll them into your current 401k or roll them into an IRA or in your in your current IRA if you have one. So just don't forget. 
about those orphaned funds. Okay. This is the Vest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. Our Wednesday pre-holiday show is coming to an end. We only got about 10 minutes left in the program. Remember, please keep our anytime listener line. We keep it open. Please keep it in mind. You can call it over the holidays. Anytime you have a question coming to your mind about anything financial, you can call right now. We're live for 10 more minutes. 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin are ready for any money question you want to ask right now at 888-99-CHART. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. Why? Well, poor timing and subpar investment choices. This is what the studies show us. This is the challenge of the typical 401k, and that's the whole reason for Active 401k. And that's why we have Active 401k. That's why we launched the program for our listeners and our clients. Because it's very difficult to allocate a 401k account. These plans have limited choices. You've got to make the changes. Now, if you have a 401k account, this is a program that you should know about. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan. And then all you do is log in and make the changes. We'll tell you what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. If you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com, investtalk.com, and click on the Investments tab from KPP Financial. And it may be just what you've needed. Blood orange, you funky. Blood orange, you fresh. Blood orange, you zesty. Blood orange, you the best. Febreze now has blood orange. From the kitchen to the car. You can clean away stinks with a fresh twist. It don't matter where you are. Let's try it. Funky. Febreze, you fresh. Let's try it. Right now at CVS Pharmacy, you can earn up to 50 extra bucks rewards each year just for filling prescriptions, which means the medicines you take to stay healthy might also do a little something for the health of your wallet. So visit your local CVS Pharmacy to sign up and start earning up to 50 extra bucks rewards on prescriptions. Terms and conditions apply. Not valid on all prescriptions, including those purchased in Arkansas, New Jersey, or New York. Other state restrictions apply. See cvs.com slash pharmacy rewards or the pharmacy for details. Hi, I'm Jen O'Neill. And I'm Jeff Manheimer. And we're the founders of Tripping.com, the world's largest site for vacation rentals. Tripping.com is the fastest and easiest way to book vacation homes. Simply type in your destination and we'll show you all available rentals from VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation rental on Tripping.com. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G.com. Whether you're looking for a warm weather escape or a winter cabin, visit Tripping.com today to search for the perfect vacation rental for you and your family. State Farm, this is Bill. It finally got me, Bill. What's that, Rick? The Clark Street Crater, the mother of all potholes. Oh. Yeah, year after rim-wrecking year, it's tormented the people of this town. They try to fill it, but it always returns. It got me good. But you know, State Farm's got you too. You hear that? You ain't nothing! You trash-talking a pothole? Yes. Yes, I am. Go with the one that's here to help life go right. State Farm. Talk to an agent today.
You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Bill in Fremont. How you doing, Bill? I'm okay, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great, and I really appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you for your show. Wonderful show. Um, the reason I'm calling is uh, I have a 401k, and I also have a Roth. I went to talk to my, my advisor at my bank, and he suggested that I don't contribute to my Roth IRA. And I just want to know, why would he say that? I'm not sure if there's any reason to it. I didn't think to ask him. I'm just kind of new at it. So I just wonder if you could tell me why he would say that. Now, he said, don't contribute to your Roth IRA? Yeah, that's correct. He said, keep your 401k, uh, keep contributing to that, but not your Roth. Not, me and the wife were perplexed by that, and I was like, why? I don't know why. Uh, why would probably- I'm not sure why he would say that. makes Okay. Unless you are maxing out your contributions to your 401k, are you maxing them out? 18500 no, a year? Okay. Then it makes absolutely no sense. Don't go to him anymore. <laughs> because okay, I, I sure I, won't. This is, yeah, I know. Because because a Roth IRA is a good vehicle, and you know the difference, right? One grows, you know, you put my after-tax money in the Roth and before-tax money in the in the 401k, a regular IRA and regular 401k. And then that money grows. In a Roth, it grows, grows, grows. You never have to take it out, and you never have to pay any taxes on the growth. In a regular 401k or IRA, regular IRA, you're going to have to take, pay taxes on that money when you retire and start taking it out. So I like you to have both of them myself. I like both of them because when you do retire, you can decide which one you want to take out and try to keep yourself in the lowest tax bracket because the money you take out of a Roth is not added to your taxes, your income at retirement, where the money to out of IRA is added. So you can help keep yourself in the lowest tax bracket and pay the least amount of taxes. Did he give not a reason why not to contribute to the Roth? I mean, was there a reason? That no, there was no reason. We just we just took his advice. We had a lot of, a lot of numbers going through our head, and uh, we just walked away and didn't huh. think too much of it. And I told my wife, I've, I've been listening no. to you on the radio, and he, she said, and I told her we should go to our Roth a little bit more. So <laughs> Yeah, start pumping some money into advice, it. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate the call, Bill. It just makes sense to me. I don't understand why not. Michael, Half Moon Bay. How you doing, Michael? Okay. I don't know a whole lot about this subject. So I think it's a pretty good question, though. I worked for a company. I invested in my stock. I bought it outright when I left the company. It's still privately held company. It has not gone public. Okay. But it was just recently purchased by a, I guess the term is a blank check company that's already public. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know what that means for me and my stock. I got a, a letter saying that they were going to purchase my stock back from me, but I was kind of holding out till it goes to common stock, but I'm not sure if I'm capable. It doesn't sound like they're going to let me do that. No, since it's a private company, it's not a public company, you don't have much say. Okay. Uh, they're going to buy all the stock. question in your mind is, what are you going to buy it for? How much? Well, they made an offer to me, but I'm like, I don't know that if I do I have an opportunity to go back and say, no, I want to sell you it for this much and see uh, what they say. If your stock has a voting power, do you know if it does? Voting? I don't think I have enough for a voting power, no. Yeah, see, most of the voting power is probably held by the insiders, the people who... Exactly. Okay, and those guys are going to make the decision, you or not. 
Uh, You're going to have to follow on their coattails. Unfortunately, the option that would be left to you is filing suit as a, a minority shareholder. Right. But you're feeling you're getting a shaft, and the majority shareholders are getting the benefits, and you're not. Right. That does happen, but it's extremely expensive, and you don't want to go that way. It's a nice little chunk, and I'm happy, mm-hmm. but I had absolutely different plans for that yeah. money. And so they messed it up for you. Well, I, I mean, at least something happened with it. It's been a while. You know what I mean? Uh, so yes. I feel I feel good about that. Now, what would you think about taking some of that money and buying it into the company that just bought? If you feel that the fundamentals of the company, that, of the shares that you own, if you feel that's really going to benefit this new company and it's really going to accelerate this new public company's earnings, then yeah, that's a okay. good way to go. If it's so small, the company that you, stock that you own, if it's like 5% or 10% of the company that's buying it, then it will make no difference. You have to look at the company that's buying it to make sure that they're solid. Right, right. So take a look at the relative size and what it really is going to do to their earnings. Okay. Well, good luck with it, Michael. Well, thank you very much. You were very helpful. I appreciate the time. Thank you for calling. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. And I thank you for your loyal support, everybody, and your questions. I want you to have a great Thanksgiving. Everybody, please have a great Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's always a great time. Justin and I will be here on Monday. I'll be back on Tuesday. You can call anytime. You can listen to the podcast, call anytime, leave any question. As long as it's financial. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.